Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. All right, welcome everybody to Liquid. I'm Pastor Tim. Glad you're here for this timely series we're calling God Greater Than Cancer. If you are someone you love has been touched by cancer or sickness or or even so, you know, serious illness. I believe God really has a word of hope for you today. In fact, that's what the series is about. It's about hope and healing, and that how God has the power to heal, overcoming fear, healing disease, adding years to your life, and I think life to your years. So understand the focus isn't just about cancer per se. This is a series really about healing. So whatever physical illness or condition that you're facing, I, I think God wants to speak to you. I, I'm hoping He's going to stir up a fresh injection of his faith because God is an encourager. And we chose the word cancer because it's kind of the C word in, in, in people's minds. It represents like the worst diagnosis you could possibly have. And I'm sure that every person in this room or you're watching online or at one of our campuses, maybe a friend handed you the CD, every one of us has a story we could tell about how cancer has impacted maybe your life or the life of your family or, or friends. Um, that's certainly a case in the life of my family and our congregation here at Liquid Church. Over the last few months, I just have been struck by how many people really have been blindsided by a diagnosis they didn't see coming. Uh, there's a married man at a liquid campus who volunteered to mentor high school students. He was having some difficulty breathing, thought it was allergies. So he went to his doctor, they took some chest x-rays, and he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. All right, just like he never smoked in his life. In his 40s, he's fit as a fiddle. And suddenly this curveball, just, just devastating. My wife's friend discovered a, a lump in, in her neck. It's, it's increased in size. She's having difficulty swallowing. And it's actually now a tumor on her thyroid that's going to need to be removed surgically. They don't know if it's thyroid cancer, but she's a mother of two. That's, that's scary. Last week, my grandfather in Connecticut went into the hospital actually to have his bladder removed. He has had prostate cancer, bowel cancer. They've taken part of his intestine. Now his bladder has to go. He's not out of the woods. He just had MRSA, you know. And on Tuesday of this week, this week, about ready to start the series, my mom went in for a routine screening and learned she has skin cancer, uh, squamous cell carcinoma, hopefully caught early, treatable. Uh, but that's the world we live in, right? We all know somebody or have someone we love who has been touched by disease or serious illness, whether it's lung, breast, or colon cancer. We all know someone who's affected. In fact, quick show of hands. Raise your hand if you or someone in your family or friends been affected by cancer. Just quick show of hands, quick survey. Look at that. Look around. That is an ocean of hands. That's staggering, but not surprising. In February, the World Health Organization released a report predicting cancer cases are expected to rise a whopping 57% over the next 20 years. They call it an imminent human disaster. The World Cancer Report says new cancer cases will rise from 14 million a year to over 22 million a year within two decades. So this is significant. Somebody sitting next to you today is struggling with this or at your office or at your school or in your family. And so I want to just address this publicly in our congregation so that you can be a source of help and encouragement to those in your life who have been affected, okay? Now, the message that God put on my heart to share with you, I'm calling Healing Hezekiah. And while I was writing it this week, I received an email from a woman in our congregation. She wrote this, Hi, Pastor Tim. I'm so glad you're doing this God greater than cancer message. During the video at last week's service, there were a couple people wiping their tears, my husband being one of them, lung cancer. It's been a roller coaster ride. 
I don't know anyone who's not affected by this terrible disease, either personally or someone in their life. I don't know what my and my kid's future holds, but I pray that God gives you wisdom and guidance as you deliver this message to these hurting souls. Tony, that's exactly what I want to give you today. I want to give you hope. Hope and healing for everyone who is here who is hurting. And so today I'm going to teach you how passionate prayer really releases God's power in the life of a believer. At Liquid, we actually believe in a God who's greater than cancer. Amen? We believe in a God who heals. That's not just religious rhetoric. You might be a skeptic and thinking, well, of course, a preacher's going to say that. We're in church after all. I'm telling you this from personal experience. As many of you know, my father, Del Lucas, he passed away this spring after a long battle with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And for a decade and a half, he fought a, a very you know, good fight and we saw God move in miraculous ways. I have shared multiple stories with you uh, in previous messages, but today I'm going to tell you something I have never shared publicly. I'm going to share with you the untold story, the backstory of my father's cancer journey, how God really overruled a devastating diagnosis and gave our family a very personal promise directly from his word and then poured out his power the Holy Spirit in our life, and changed our family's faith forever. This is a story about healing I've never shared publicly, and it's straight out of Scripture. So no matter what health challenge you're facing today, whether it's physical, emotional, mental illness, whatever it is, I have prayed that today God's going to quicken your faith, give you a hunger for the Holy Spirit and a renewed hope in Christ's healing power in your own life. The title of the message uh, is Healing Hezekiah or The Prayer of Hezekiah. And I want to ground us in God's word. So take your Bible. You can open it and turn to the book of 1 Hezekiah. Quick show of hands. Raise your hand if you've read the book of 1 Hezekiah. Okay. Bunch of liars. There is no book called 1 Hezekiah. It's one of those names that sounds like an, you know, a book. But Hezekiah was a king in Israel and his story is told in 2 Kings chapter 20. You can flip in your phone or turn there. We also printed this in your notes today. I have a bunch of notes. We put these in your program. So click your pen, get ready. You're going to want to jot down some insights as God speaks from his word. So let me pray for us before we unpack scripture. Father, I pray right now, you know there are people listening to this message who are hurting. Lord, you know they're worried, they're upset confused or scared. Father, I ask right now, would you just speak through me like a loving father? Quiet them with your love. Father, they may be struggling with a, a diagnosis that caught them by surprise, but it hasn't surprised you. You are their creator. You are their maker. You formed them in their mother's womb. You numbered the hairs on their head. And now in Christ, we are more than conquerors. So we boldly ask now, Father, send us your Holy Spirit. Pour out your peace. Cast out any fear with your perfect love. Use this message in a providential way in the lives of every person listening. Let them know they're not alone in their struggle. You are with them. You are for them. And we believe, God, you are greater than any cancer or anything else this world throws at us. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 All right. Let me give you a little bit of background details before we read the story. Who is Hezekiah after all? Hezekiah was one of the greatest kings in Israel's history. He actually became the 13th king of Judah. Uh, that's the southern kingdom of Israel. He became king when he was 25 years old. So he's a very young man when he took the throne of Israel, but he was wise beyond his years. 2 Kings 18 describes him this way. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. So he was without precedent. 
Hezekiah reigned a total of 43 years, 29 of them in Jerusalem, and the people were really happy about that because Hezekiah had a heart for God. He actually led a spiritual revival across the nation out of a time of profound darkness. The, the previous king, Ahaz, very, very wicked. He actually led Israel into child sacrifice, if you can imagine this. But Hezekiah was cut from a different cloth. Under his rule, they smashed foreign idols. They removed all the pagan altars. They reopened the doors of the temple. They'd been closed for some time. And he cleansed the temple and restored the worship of Jehovah, of Yahweh, the one true God of Israel. Hezekiah then personally went to the temple and prayed. He was the first king of Judah to do this in over 250 years, okay? It goes all the way back since the days of King Solomon. And he prayed specifically for his people. Look what 2 Chronicles 30 says. Go ahead. Hezekiah prayed for them saying, May the Lord who's good pardon everyone who sets their heart on seeking God, the Lord, the God of their ancestors, calling them back to faith, even if they are not clean according to the rules of sanctuary. And the Lord heard Hezekiah. Let's read the bold out loud. Ready? And healed the people. So Hezekiah prays for their healing. He turns the entire nation back to God and spiritual revival grips the land. Wouldn't that be amazing? People repented of sin. They went back to God after decades of just kind of drifting along. And this is so hopeful, by the way. If you're new today and like you feel distant from God, or maybe there's a situation in your life that's kind of reawaken this appetite for faith. You have a hunger for, for God. It is never too late. You are not too far gone. You can always return to God, receive forgiveness through Jesus Christ. You can ask for a fresh filling of his Holy Spirit, and God will actually heal your life. So this is the setting. Hezekiah trusted in God for revival, for healing, and he led this national revival. Wouldn't that be a blessing today? That'd be incredible. A leader who loved the Lord in Second Chronicles sums up his life this way. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah, doing what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. In everything he undertook, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly. And what was the result? So he prospered. Hezekiah was prosperous. He was successful. Hezekiah was blessed in the prime of his life, prime of his leadership, which is what makes what happens here in 2 Kings 20 so tragic. Let's pick this up in God's word, 2 Kings 20, verse 1. It says this, in those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says, put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. And you can pause there. Just let the, the weight of those words sink in. If you are taking notes, Scripture tells us three things about Hezekiah. The first is that he had a deadly disease. Never names what it is. Simply says Hezekiah became ill, was at the point of death, which must have been a shock because Hezekiah was 39 years old at this point. He's a young man. He is in the prime of his life. He loved the Lord. He's serving people. He's building the kingdom, and suddenly sickness strikes his body. Now, we don't know where it came from. We don't know what caused it. I, I'm sure Hezekiah was like, where, where did this come from? That's the question my family asked when my dad was diagnosed at age 59. Lymphoma? What? What? I had just gotten married. Here's a picture from our wedding. It was our first year of marriage, and this was supposed to be a happy time, prime time in my family's life, and it shattered our perfect family picture. We were shocked. My father had never smoked a cigarette in his life. He never drank a beer in his life. He was the definition of clean living. 
Like Hezekiah, he was a righteous man. He loved the Lord, devoted to his family, served as the chairman of the elders in our church. And all of a sudden, one day, his legs swelled up. He went in for a biopsy and boom, cancer. A what? A tumor? No, it's all over his abdomen and intestines all throughout. We were stunned. I remember sitting there with my mom in, in the chair across from the doctor, and we couldn't believe the words coming out of his mouth. Incurable, cancer, lymphoma. It, this was like slow motion. We were knocked to our knees. It's like a curveball that, that you didn't see coming. It buckles your knees. Where, where did this come from? Where does cancer come from anyway? According to the World Health Organization, there are several possibilities. Some cancers are environmental. They're just caused by toxins and pollution in our environment. We had a close family friend contract mesothelioma, which was caused by uh, you know, exposure to asbestos. You've probably seen those commercials. Her husband worked in a factory that manufactured hot plates, and uh, they theorized she may have been washing his clothes and got an asbestos particle lodged in her lungs and snapped. She died at the age of 54. There are behavioral factors. We all have bad habits that increase our risk, like smoking, drinking, or obesity. If you smoke, lung cancer remains the most commonly diagnosed cancer at 1.8 million cases a year. If you drink, excessive alcohol intake is number three on the list of deadliest behaviors. And if you're overweight, sensitive topic, 28% of American adults, your risk goes up too. There is an obesity epidemic in America, high calorie diets, lack of exercise, all that increases our cancer risk. So understand, some cancers environmental, where we live, some behavioral, what we do, some cancers just genetic. It's it, it, rogue cells that grow out of control. That's what cancer is at its core, if you ever wondered what it was. Every day, right now, your body, the cells in your body are, are multiplying, they're dividing, they're copying DNA and passing it on to daughter cells. So it's making copies of copies of copies, and along the way, errors occur genetically. When a cell mutates, it grows out of control and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and forms a tumor. A recent New York Times article entitled, Why Everyone Seems to Have Cancer, notes that as our population ages, cancer rates grow higher because the longer you live, the more likely your body will have genetic misprint and produce cancer. Now to those three factors, I would add a fourth, and that is simply sin. Some cancer is simply the result of living in an imperfect world broken by sin. In the beginning of creation, God did not create cancer. It was not part of his original design. In the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. The environment was perfect. Adam and Eve's bodies were perfect. They enjoyed immortality. But then Satan comes, tempts our first parent. Eve takes the bait. Adam follows. We rebel against God. We call that the fall, the fall of man, when human sin entered the world. And now the effects of the fall are in the world all around us. You see this. Disease, decay, even death. Death, actually, by definition, is unnatural. The Bible says physical and spiritual death are the result of sin. And so God sends Jesus Christ, why? To conquer Satan's sin and death on the cross. By dying on the cross, Jesus breaks the curse, and by rising from the dead, he achieves victory over death, and that includes disease. The Bible makes a promise, by his wounds we are healed. But we're still waiting for Jesus Christ to return. That's where we are between his first and second coming. And so he hasn't ushered in the kingdom yet. There was coming a new heavens and earth where there is no more sickness, sorrow, pain, death, suffering, tears. We're here now. We don't know right now the cause of everything. And whatever the cause here in 2 Kings 20, all we know is Hezekiah had a deadly disease. It may have been cancer. Scholars aren't sure. But mark this. He received a devastating diagnosis. 
That surely knocked him to his knees. God actually sent a prophet, Isaiah, to deliver the prognosis. He said, put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Anybody who sat across the desk of an oncologist or surgeon or doctor, you know the punch packed in those words, incurable, terminal. In our first meeting with my dad's oncologist, we kind of pressed him for a timetable. I will never forget what he said. He said, well, this cancer is, is very aggressive. Four months, four years, we don't know. And I, I took my breath. I was like, did you just say four months? My mom sat there silent. And he said, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with time frames. Look, we're going to do everything we can. We're giving him great medical treatment, et cetera. And on the way out, I actually paused at the doctor and I, I said, four months? He said, I can't, I'm not making predictions, he said, but it's important that you have your house in order. Have you ever heard this phrase, put your house in order? This is the first recorded use of this phrase in all of human history here in 2 Kings. Put your house in order. He actually, my mind began racing, like trying to find a workaround. I couldn't imagine a, a world without my dad. And you know what I did? I drove home, I dropped my mother off, went to my house, walked in, and just wept. Just bawled. What would you do? I'm a pastor, but I'm a human. Hezekiah was a king, but he was a human too. And verse 3 says, Hezekiah wept bitterly, which is the natural response to mortality, to loss of health, isn't it? Two years ago, a member of our life group that I'm in here at Liquid, um, Lovely young mom, mother of two. She discovered a lump. She went for a biopsy. She was very nervous about it. She said, pray for me because there's a history of breast cancer in our family. And our group prayed for her. And I was like, you know, how are you doing with it? And she said, Tim, I wish I could say I was strong, but I'm a big old mess. She said, I came home from the doctors. I changed into my pajamas. I got in my bed and I just sobbed. My husband came in. I could barely speak the words. I couldn't actually bring myself to say the word because I'm in my 30s. And here I am crumpled up crying in my bed, snot pouring down my face. I'm like, close the door. I didn't want my kids to see. And kids are like, daddy, what's wrong with mommy? That was two, two years ago in our life group right here at Liquid. And we walked through our sister through some very hard times through surgery. She had a double mastectomy. And let me tell you something. Cancer cuts to the core of who we are. As a, as a woman, you know, these are the breasts that nursed my children. Something vital from me is being taken. As a man, I was talking last week with a friend who's a survivor of testicular cancer. And he told me, Tim, when you say, you know, hits you where it hurts, the doctor said to my wife, you won't be able to have children now because of what's happening. And we were stunned. He said, we sat in the doctor's office. We maintained our composure because we want to absorb all the information. But then we walked out to the parking lot together, got in the car, and we just held each other and cried. And you know what? That's human. That's natural response to the loss of health that comes with living in a broken world. Hezekiah, righteous man, wept bitterly. He was full of faith, and yet he received a devastating diagnosis. Isaiah told him, this won't end well. You won't recover. Your condition's terminal. Now watch, because this is where bold faith comes in. If you're like, this is, this is so brutal. This is where bold faith. Because although Hezekiah wept, watch how the man of God responds. I want to read this, verses 2 and 3. It says, Put it up on the screen, would you? Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. And what did he do? Say it together. Prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully 
and with wholehearted devotion and done what is good in your eyes. Notice first Hezekiah reminds himself of his righteous walk of faith. So in other words, a devastating diagnosis doesn't have to do with whether you've been a good or bad person, right? It doesn't matter if you've been like a model Christian or a wicked pagan. Scripture says God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So let me state this as clear as I can. God doesn't cause cancer. It is not God's punishment. It is not part of God's design or his program. It's part of the experience of living in a broken world that's been poisoned by sin. Every follower of Jesus Christ, we're still subject to sickness and disease. But watch. As one adopted into God's family, you are now an heir to the throne of heaven. You are a child of the king. What that means is, is you have the privilege to come boldly into the throne room of your father in heaven and ask him to move miraculously on your behalf. Whether it's a minor ache or a major illness, there's only one thing for believers to do as a first response, and Hezekiah shows us. He responded with passionate prayer. Instead of distancing himself from God, he pressed into his relationship as never before. He, re- he renewed his, work of, his walk of faith. He reaffirmed his trust in Jehovah Rapha. That's what, that's what they called him, the, the Hebrew people. In the New Testament, we know God as Jesus. But in the Old Testament, Jews called him Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord who what? Heals you. That's who God revealed himself to be in Exodus. Hezekiah saw God as his primary care physician. Can I ask, do you? Yeah, in a health crisis, Hezekiah, he sees prayer as his first response, not a last resort. Now, contrast that with most modern Americans, okay? If you're honest, right, in a health crisis, I'll speak for myself. Sometimes I'm more likely to consult Google than God first, okay? Isn't that true? If, like, you discover something, if you're like, you feel this lump or look at this mole, I go to WebMD. You ever go to WebMD? Okay? God's like, no, no, there's only one great physician. You come to me first. Prayer is a believer's first response, not our last resort. By the way, free advice. Only go to WebMD if you want to freak yourself out, okay? I just, I used to read stuff online all the time, but it's kind of crazy, you know? It's like you go for a walk in the woods, and you come home, and you got like a little itchy, you know, red rash on your leg. I go to WebMD. I start reading. I'm like, yes, I have other symptoms. Uh, Yes, I sweat profusely. No, I haven't slept well in months. I have Ebola! You know, it's like, no, you have poison ivy. Try not to touch it, fool. You know, it's like, relax. Don't go to WebMD, all right? That's free advice. Mine to you. Don't mishear me, though. I'm not saying don't consult a doctor or seek professional treatment. In fact, you are going to see in a moment right here in Scripture how God often uses medicine to work a miracle. All I'm saying is our first response to illness reveals how deep your faith is really rooted. Hezekiah gets this devastating diagnosis. He doesn't call his HMO. He just responds with passionate prayer, okay? And let me tell you, when my dad was diagnosed at 59, it changed my family's prayer life. You know the polite prayers, Lord, thank you for the food, you know, no, no, all that. It led us into a season of deep-hearted, passionate prayer. Passion comes from the word for suffering. We had prayer circles in our living room. We laid hands on my dad. We anointed him with oil like the Bible instructs. And privately, I had a very selfish prayer. I said, God, would you let my dad live to see his grandchildren? See, at this time, we didn't have kids yet. Again, first year of marriage. Hezekiah didn't have children at this point either. But he had faith. He believed in a God who heals. And guess what? God answered Hezekiah's prayer in a miraculous way. Look at verse 4. 
It says, before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. Let's read this together, church. Ready? I have heard your prayer and seen your tears and I will heal you. Say those words. I will heal you. Jehovah Rapha is a healer. Do you believe that? When we pour out our heart to our Abba Father in the name of his son Jesus, three things happen. First, God heard Hezekiah's prayer. Secondly, he saw his tears. Can, can I just call a time out, by the way? I see some of you are crying. Some of you are weeping. You're like, how do I get through even this message? That God sees you. God sees you. That may be the only reason he brought you today, to say, I see you. I know. And his Holy Spirit wants to minister to you. He wants to touch you. And he wants to say, my child, I am with you. You are not alone. So you don't be embarrassed, all right? Folks in this church cry. It's okay. Salt water is healing. And your, your, your tears are precious to your Father in heaven. You know what the psalmist says? I love it. It's a beautiful verse. You keep track of all my sorrows. You've collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. God doesn't waste a drop of his child's suffering. Not a drop. So I just want to speak to some of you who are listening. Your tears that you're having today, they're watering the ground. They're going to be the fertilizer for an outpouring of faith in your life, of the Holy Spirit. I feel that right now. I know God's... Holy Spirit is just going to touch some of you. He's going to heal some of you. Some of you instantly, some of you gradually, some in the life to come. It's okay to cry. God sees, God knows, and God heals. Why does God heal? For many reasons we'll get to in this series, but the main reason is this, simple word, ready? Compassion. Can you say compassion? God's moved by the prayers of his children. In the New Testament, whenever Jesus heals the sick, it is often preceded by the word compassion. I'm reading through the Gospel of Matthew right now, devotionally just going through every account of healing. It's like you can't read the Gospels without getting hit in the face by this. In Matthew 14, it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had, what's the word? Compassion on them. And then what did he do? He healed the sick. See, they're linked. The, the Greek word for compassion is splognizomai, which refers to your bowels. It actually refers to your intestines. In other words, you see someone suffering, and it hits you in the guts. Compassion. You see someone going through something, and there's this eruption in your being. And the Bible says Jesus saw people who were Diseased and healed and sick and lame, and he was moved. He was flooded with compassion. And out of the depths of his, his guts erupted mighty works of healing. Jesus had compassion, and he healed the sick. So compassion and healing go hand in hand. Too often, we see God as this emotionless deity up in the sky, who does it? He's impassive. He's, he is a stoic deity. He's unmoved by our plight. That's what some of you think. I know that. I want to shatter that stronghold in your life. He is, that is not the God of the Christian Bible. God is full of compassion. 
He's abounding in love. In the Old Testament, Jehovah Rapha is a healer. In the New Testament, he's Jesus Christ. And there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen? There's power in Jesus' name. Jesus healed people for a simple reason. He loves you. He's like, I'm on your side. And I am ready to help. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. Miracles flow out of the compassion of Christ. And that's what happened with Hezekiah. God healed his body. Look at this. This is a marvelous healing in response to his passionate prayer. This is an incredible promise. Look at verse 6. Read it together. I will add 15 years to your life, and I'll deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. God heard Hezekiah's prayer. He healed his body, and watch this. The healing lengthened his life by 15 years. So although Hezekiah, he thought, hey, I got the diagnosis. It's terminal. You will not recover. In reality, God is like, I've been plotting a miracle all along (laughs) because I love you, because I love my people, and I actually have plans that you can't see to glorify the name of Jesus. See, Jesus came from the line of King David. And if Hezekiah died, the line leading to Jesus Christ in the New Testament would have been broken. And so God says, I'm going to add 15 years to your life, and he gave Hezekiah's son. So here's a question. What would you do today if God spoke to you, I'm giving you 15 more years to live? How would you react to that? If you're young, you're like, bummer, you know? I want to go to Cancun, you know? I want to see Italy, you know? If you're in your 70s or 80s, you're like, I'll take it, you know? It's not bad, right? If you're kind of in your prime of life, like me, you become a lot more intentional about how you invested your days. The truth is none of us know how long we have, but God knows exactly. God knows. God knew the day that you would be born, and he knows the day that he's going to call you to heaven. As the psalmist writes, he says, all the days, what's this word? Ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Ordained means sovereignly planned by God. I understand you didn't know you'd have cancer or whatever health crisis you're facing. God did. And God says, I promise I will bend this. I will conform it to my will and use it in my ultimate plans to bring glory to Christ. The question is, will you trust me? Will you actually trust me? Will you allow your cancer to draw you closer to Christ? To lean into the love of God, find peace in his promises, and actually ask the Holy Spirit to pour out his healing power in your body. Over a decade ago, when my dad was diagnosed with lymphoma, our family just made a decision. We said, hey, God, you heard what the doctor said, four months, four years, they don't know, but you know. And we trust you, God. We know you have the power to heal. And my father always said, you know, bring glory to God. May his will, not mine, be done. That was always my dad, you know. But this was the moment, watch this, that I first came across the story of Hezekiah in 2 Kings. I'd never heard of it before. I never remember reading it in seminary. But I was struck because if you look at verse 7, it says Hezekiah had a boil on his body. Do you see that? I looked it up. What's that mean? It means it was a a lump that was life-threatening. Not certain what it was, but I started looking up like, well, what is is this? I'd I'd never seen it, but some commentators said, well, it may be symptomatic of a disease of the lymph nodes, like lymphoma. That got my attention. (laughs) My dad has lymphoma. My dad was a righteous man. So we started praying what I call the prayer of Hezekiah, a prayer I call 
plus 15. <laughs> we just said, Lord, would you add 15 years to dad's life like you did with King Hezekiah? Plus 15, God, would you let my father live to see his grandchildren? And as dad began his treatment, that became our prayer, plus 15. He went through all the usual stuff. He started his chemo. He did radiation. He lost his hair, which is a big deal in our family. All right? I'm just saying. <laughs> loss of health, loss of hair. It's a toss-up for us, both tragedies. And pr praise God, my dad had some partial remission, and that's how it went for two months, and then, and then it was four months, and then it was a year, and then it was four years, and then eight years, and then by that time, two grandchildren were born. My daughter Chase and my son Dell, who's named in my dad's honor. And my dad was well enough to take them to Yankee Stadium and attend their Little League games just as he had with me as a boy. And so we just kept praying, plus 15, Lord, lengthen his life so that we can see your goodness, God. And cancer became a part of my family's story. We vacationed down the shore together, and mom would give dad injections at our beach house. He was a wonderful caregiver, knew more about meds than a lot of nurses. The kids got used to, oh, we lay hands on grandpa. We pray for him, plus 15. Though if you, you look at my son's expression, he doesn't like needles, you know, this is kind of like... And my dad never complained through it. Even when the effects of chemo and radiation weakened his body, he would summon the strength to play checkers or board games with the kids. The Lord will give me strength. He never lost his spirit. He would, we would walk on the boardwalk, and he'd be like, okay, come on over here. We're going to hoard free fudge from the fudge shop. You know, he just, he just summoned the will. I can do all things through Christ. You know, that <laughs> strengthens me. And his dad passed the decade mark. His hair grew back, <laughs> and his disease was remission, partial remission, never full remission, and then it started growing again. But our family just kept praying. We got greedy. We we're like, plus 15, Lord. You know, it's, it's 10 years. Give us five more like Hezekiah. And we saw the Lord answer our prayer in a miraculous way by lengthening his life through medicine. Now look at verse 7 again. What did God do to perform this miraculous healing in Hezekiah's life? Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. They did so, applied it to the boil, and what's it say? He recovered. I read this, and I'm like, what are these figs? You know, I'm like looking at figs up, you know, <laughs> pharmaceutical figs. I'm like, do you have to go to Colorado to get these? Like, where do you get these figs, you know? <laughs> figs were a common medical remedy in the ancient East. They would mash them up, make a medicinal paste, and put it on the boil which, as I said, some scholars say was a symptom of lymphoma presenting as a lump or a swollen lymph node or a boil. In other words, don't miss this. Don't miss this. God performed a miracle with medicine. Isn't that amazing? Faith and science can coexist according to the Bible. In the modern world, we sometimes set up this false conflict between faith and science. In other words, it's the fundamentalists who won't go to the doctor. Oh, no, no, I don't believe in doctors. God's just going to heal me. I'm, I'm going to ignore basic health care. It's the atheist who won't accept the prayer. I don't, I don't believe in that, you know, uh, uh, hokey pokey stuff. No way. As if to rely on faith and science somehow diminishes the other in some way. In the Bible, there is no such conflict. The ancients, they're, they're actually more sophisticated. They have a, such a more holistic view of healing. They viewed humans as body and soul, spiritual and physical, integrated and in being made in God's image. And to neglect medicine... And the role of healing was to fight with one arm behind your back. And you know what? It can lead to tragic results. I had a friend who had testicular cancer at the age of 24, prime of his life. His mom believed in word of faith healing. If you just kind of claimed it and you prayed hard enough, you just read your Bible, God would, he, he's, he's obliged to do it. He has to heal you. 
and she coached her son to avoid medical treatment. Just pray, just read your Bible, just believe and drink lemon tea. He died at 25. Let me be very clear about this. In no way does that bring glory and honor to God. To see with the eyes of faith doesn't mean you check your brain at the door. Hezekiah teaches us that miracles and medicine go hand in hand. God often uses both to lengthen the life of his people. You want a double-barreled approach to faith. In my dad's case, medicine played a huge role in lengthening his life, plus 15. So if you are in the medical profession, if you are a doctor, you are a nurse, you are a caregiver, I want to thank you. Thank you for being an instrument of healing in the hand of God. Our family is indebted to the medical team of specialists who treated my dad. They hit his lymphoma with chemo, radiation, rituxin. There was talk of a stem cell transplant at one point. That's the scientific part of the story. But behind the scenes, there was a band of Christ followers who were praying day after day, year after year, decade after decade, plus 15, God, lengthen his life like the king. That's the faith part of the story. And it went from four months to four years to eight years and 12 years. We enjoyed many happy years together. My children grew up knowing their grandpa, the kind of righteous man he was. And then in March, my dad's body began to break down. Over a decade of disease and chronic treatment, it really takes a wear and tear on the body. And he went to the hospital. And we know he was getting close to go home and see Jesus. But you see us, we would pray in the hospital. Nurses walk in, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> we're like, we're praying for healing right now. We've been praying plus 15. They're like, okay. <laughs> but we knew it was getting close. And so we began playing for dad's departure. And we brought him home. And he went on hospice. And we surrounded him and we said our goodbyes. As I've told you, there were no regrets. There was just gratitude for God's grace in our life. And my father stepped into the presence of his Savior, Jesus Christ, on March 27th, 2014, at home and asleep, surrounded by all those who prayed plus 15 all those years. And I want to show you something now. Because I was there with my mom in the bedroom on the morning that my dad received full, ultimate healing from his Savior, Jesus Christ. And we opened my mom's Bible, which you can see in this picture. It's pretty well-worn. She's underlined a few things. She's highlighted and highlighted highlights. And that's her handwriting. But I want you to look at the left-hand margin over here. You'll see my dad's name, Dell, and underneath it, a date, February 1999. In other words, my father went to be with Jesus Christ exactly 15 years and one month from the day of his diagnosis. And I took a picture of this to show you what an answered prayer looks like. If you want to see a documented miracle, you take a look at this. That and I want you to see this. 299, this was the verse that my parents claimed on the date of his biopsy. Look what it's written next to. This is 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The doctor said four months, four years. We don't know. God knew <laughs> just like he did with Hezekiah, just like he knows with you. He didn't need to answer my family's prayer. I think he did it to show off. I heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. I will heal you. I will add 15 years to your life. 15 years in one month, praise God. 
For a decade and a half, God was greater than my family's cancer. He was greater than our fear. Yeah, it was an amazing thing. And listen to me, God is greater than anything this world throws at you. Christ can conquer cancer. Christ can cure disease. He can pour out his Holy Spirit's healing in a moment. Amen? So if you are here today, and if you or someone you love, you're battling cancer, by all means, you pursue medical treatment. Get first-rate care. The gift of good oncologists, skilled doctors, and treatment. But listen to me, listen to me. Do not forsake the word of Jehovah Rapha. Because the promises of God are more powerful than any pill. And God has not left you alone in this. He is with you. He will hold you tighter in his hand than ever during this time. The Bible says in Christ, you are more than a conqueror. I have seen this in my own life. Christ conquered my dad's diagnosis. Christ conquered my family's fear. He gave us peace. He was with us every step of the way, especially in the moments when we didn't know what the next step was. The outcome of the next scan was uncertain. He did something marvelous. The doctors couldn't predict 15 more years in one month as we prayed the prayer of Hezekiah. Plus 15, Lord. Praise God for this. I'm giving you a testimony. God turned our test into a testimony. He will do that with you. I understand your test may be different. Your, your testimony will likely be different. God may highlight a different scripture for you. He, he may give you a, a, a different promise or a prayer to lay hold of a different revelation of his grace. But listen to me. Some of you, as you hold on... God will supernaturally heal you. I believe that. As you press in, you throw yourself on Christ and ask to pour out his power, the Holy Spirit will heal you. Next week, we are going to pray for every single sick person at every liquid campus and every single service. So you invite your family and your friends, anyone dealing with disease or illness. We are training our spiritual care teams at every campus. We're going to lay hands on you. Later in the series, we're going to anoint you with oil like we did for my dad. And by God's grace, some of you are going to be healed in the name of Jesus. Amen? I believe that. It may be gradual. It may be instantaneous. It may be a miracle of medicine. Are you okay if God picks? <laughs> Did you care? God is free. He is free to heal any way he wants. Amen? So you take heart. If you're struggling with cancer or something else, outwardly you may be wasting away. But God says, I want to renew you day by day, inwardly, at, at, at the spirit man inside of you. I know some of you have stories, and I know some of you have prayers. You're like, I can't wait for next week. Would you email me this week, healing at liquidchurch.com? I know some of you have stories of healing you may want to share. We would love to hear that. Maybe you're like, I have a, a, an urgent prayer. Email us. I can't respond to everyone. I read everything. But our spiritual care teams, they are honored. They, this is their passion. This is their, amen, spiritual care teams who are here. This is their passion. Give them a hand. We praise God for you. Because he prayed, Hezekiah's life and legacy were changed. And I can tell you from personal experience, God changed my family's faith and in, in, in legacy. We prayed tentatively at first, but with increasing faith every passing year. And as God just has poured out grace upon grace, right up to the end of my father's life, and now he is fully, safely home, healed in heaven with his Savior, Jesus Christ. Did God answer our prayer? Ooh, more than we ask or imagine. My father lived to see his grandson, who now bears his name, Del. And the legacy of faith lives on. What will God do with your story? What will God do with your story? Your test. He already knows what the testimony is. But he says, you have to come to me in faith. You have to come to Jesus Christ First, spiritually, cleanse my heart, God. There's disease in my heart called sin. But then, Father, heal my body. 
pour out your compassion. Give me a fresh touch of your Holy Spirit. And I want to give you a chance as we kick off this series to experience that today. We're going to ask every person who is struggling, if you're struggling with cancer or disease, whatever sickness it is, I want to pray a healing prayer for you right now. But I want you to stand up where you are. All of our campuses, stand up if you'd like me to pray for you. A prayer of healing. Yeah, go ahead. Tons of people. Stand on up. That's fine. Awesome. I'm so glad you are here today. This is going to be a great moment. We want to start that process today. Just stand on up, all our campuses. If you're sitting next to someone who's standing, just, you can just put your hand on them even. Just put on their arm or their shoulder. Let them know that you are here. You care. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. We're going to ask that right now. Holy Spirit, come. Father, praise Jesus. You're already here. We know to be in your presence, Lord. There's no more powerful place to be. And right now, we invoke the name of Jesus of Nazareth, your Son, our Savior. By grace, we've been saved, and by his wounds, we are healed. Father God, right now, in a supernatural way, would you pour out your Holy Spirit right now onto men and women who are standing? Open your hands. If you're standing, just open your hands. Pour it out on them, Father God, from the top of their head to the tips of their toes. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Anoint them in a new way. Hallelujah. Praise. Just, just bless them, God. Release healing in your children's lives. May you let them know that you are moved, that you see them. You're looking down, you see them. And you love them, and nothing will snatch them out of your hand. And so, Father, in heaven, would you bring heaven to earth right now? In the name and power of Jesus Christ, all of God's people said together, Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.